Welcome to the Design Your Happiness podcast. I'm your host, Marilee Blair. Let me be your positive light to help you reach your highest potential and put you in an empowered frame of mind every episode. It's time to get excited for our lives and be in charge of designing our happiness every single day. Let's go. Welcome back to the Design Your Happiness podcast. I'm so excited to have a very inspiring guest on the show today who is going to share her wisdom with all of you and help you manifest your own magic so that you can have everything you want in your life. Nicole Mashali is an actress, motivational speaker, writer, creator, executive producer, and star of the Good Vibes TV show and the founder and manifestation mentor of her Manifesting Magic online course. Nicole began her career working as an associate producer for ABC7 News in San Francisco for five years. She then realized she had been putting her own artistic dreams aside and decided to focus on making them a reality, where she made the move to New York and began acting in commercials independent movies, and on stage at the Bindlestiff Studio, which was the only Filipino-American theater in the nation in 2004. She had the desire to to produce more of her own material, so Nicole wrote and performed stand-up comedy from 2007 to 2012. During her years as a stand-up comedian, Nicole had the honor to open for some big comedians like Dave Chappelle and Joe Coy. Then, under the direction of Paul Steen at Comedy Central Theater, Nicole developed and performed her show, Forgetting the Details, into a 90-minute full-length solo show. And in spring 2017, Nicole launched her Manifesting Magic online course to help others manifest the life they want as a channel for change and to teach people how to manifest magic in their own lives. In 2019, Nicole created and starred in the TV show Good Vibes that premiered at the 42nd Annual Asian American Film Festival in New York City. Nicole, thank you so much for being here today and being on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Marilee. It's really an honor to be on this podcast with you. Oh, thank you, Nicole. And let's get started with what is your favorite inspiring quote? Oh, that's a great question. I have so many, <laughs> but I feel like the one that has basically driven me for the past 20 years is a quote by William Hutchinson Murray, which says, and it's just this, like, it's a really long quote, so it's just like <laughs> the bare bones of what I live by, but it's the moment definitely, the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. And whatever you can do or dream, you can just begin it because boldness has genius power and magic in it. Begin it now. Oh, I love that so much. What a great quote. And it's one of my favorites. I think I saw it in O magazine. Okay. Almost 15 or 20 years ago. And I cut it out and I put it on my vision board. Oh, I love that. I love that because it really ties into your story that you're going to share with all of us today and about your focus with the laws of attraction. So I love that it fits you and your whole story so perfectly. And let's talk about how have you designed happiness into your life? Oh, I feel like I design every day. <laughs> so it's really a state of 
being. It's not so much designing it. It's just literally emitting that frequency and choosing to be a vibration every day. Like I think that's as humans, our choice is our power. We often forget that because of circumstances or experiences or trauma or pain that we go through. Uh, and it's something that we constantly have to remember, right? Because in my belief system, we're not just humans, but we're spirits, spirits in human form. Like we have a spiritual and we have an ego state. And so for us to constantly remember our spiritual side and to choose to vibrate on that side, is something that we constantly have to keep doing. So it's to me, it's just like a choice of being. Mm. Just like choosing to be happy and choosing to stay in that mindset. I like that. That's why you relate it with vibrations. We have the choice, yeah. everybody. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and how did you make the transition from working as an associate producer at ABC7 News into the entertainment industry? Because they're a little you know, they're two different industries. So how did you make that transition? I love telling the story because I am a child of Asian parents. <laughs> and so growing up, um, my grandparents and my mother were really strict on me as far as like grades and choosing the right career. Um, and I always wanted to be an actor and creative, but my mom who raised me, she was a single mother, constantly was like, no, you have to pick something that is more stable, that has health insurance. <laughs> and so I chose to uh, work in the news industry. And um, at the time, I thought, okay, I'll just be a reporter because it's sort of like the closest thing I could be to be an actor. And then quite suddenly, my father passed away in 2011. And it was something so unexpected. No one in our family knew he was going to pass away. He died really young, like around 50 years old. And so at that time when I was planning the funeral, I realized, you know, my life is not, I'm not happy. And I'm doing all these things, especially in my career, because other people told me being an actor, creative wasn't possible, being Asian. And because I wanted to make my mother happy or my grandparents happy. And so I realized after my father's death that life is too short and unexpected to live your life for other people. And as soon as I made that decision to move to New York and become an actor, my life completely changed. And I will say, you know, as far as like choosing happiness and choosing to stay positive, it can seem like a challenging um, choice, especially when you're dealing with grief or death of a loved one. Like it took me a good two years to sort of like find myself again and find my uh, rock, which was, you know, God in moving to New York because it was like two years of me dealing with my dad's death and grieving his death and really um, understanding that my power comes from within for those two years. Um, so it's not an easy choice to always choose happiness or to shift from low vibration to high vibration, but it's something that we get to work on, I think, as humans. And especially going into acting, like it's nice that you realize that this was something that you really wanted to do. And because of 
that really hard time, you were able to shift your mind and to be like, you know, the time is now. This is something that's always going to be important to you. So why not take the leap and take advantage? And like you said, you still were going through a hard time, but you didn't let it stop you from moving to New York. And, and what do they say? They say, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. (laughs) And, And that's a completely different transition too. like just being in that type of fast paced city. And then, you know, I'm sure what your journey was like from going to auditions, because that was probably different for you too, when you started going to auditions, is that right? Than being on a new set, you know, it's like, It was something completely different. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have an apartment. I didn't have like a day a day job. You know, and as an actor, you basically have to have like three or four day jobs. (laughs) And at one point in New York, I did just to pay rent. I had about three jobs at the same time. I was a waitress. I was a bartender, and I worked for this high end real estate company that sold like two million dollar studio apartments. whatever you could to make that acting a reality. So the reality is when you want to be an actor, you still have to work other jobs to get there, which is good for people to know. It's not just like, oh, you get one audition and then you're set. You know, it's like you, you still have to be able to support yourself financially. So it's good you had a strong work ethic to go after your dreams. And then, exactly. and then that's how you got into, I know you did stand up comedy for five years. And so it's like with your hard work, then you were able to open up for big comedians like Dave Chappelle and Joe Coy. And so how did that work out where you got those opportunities and were you intimidated all uh, by working for those comedians or opening up? For you them? know, both of those opportunities were sort of like, right place, right time, right? And this is where I sort of also bring in law of attraction because when you stay ready, whatever your craft is, whether it's comedy or acting or even like um, coding, you know, (laughs) or uh, painting or anything, you know, maybe you're a mechanic or engineer, whenever you stay ready in your craft, I feel like the universe tends to start to attract these people and experiences to you. And when you stay in this vibration of believing in yourself, especially, the universe sort of delivers. And so um, I opened for Joe Coy first, and I remember it being like one of the biggest stand-up comedy um, gigs that I had at the time. And I was just like eight months into doing stand-up. And a friend of mine who was a club promoter was starting to get into promoting and producing comedy shows. So he did it at actually uh, the San Jose Improv House. <laughs> so here in the Bay Area. And when he uh, asked me, oh, do you want to open up for Joe Coy? I was actually going through some physical uh, like anemia. I was like fainting. Mm-hmm. I was doing like fainting spells and the doctors weren't mm-hmm. sure what was going on. And so... In hindsight, I probably should have said no because physically I wasn't, you know, prepared, but mentally I was just like, let's do this. So I actually did really poorly opening for Joe Coy. And I remember my parents being there. I also remember my ex-boyfriend being there and his new girlfriend being there. And they were just like, 
not laughing <laughs> it was like a really good lesson though and like don't focus on the negative mm-hmm. um because right after i you know ended i could tell my mom as you know comedian you could tell mm-hmm. almost instantaneous when the energy is not being reciprocated and when people aren't like feeling you <laughs> and so i bombed completely and I remember afterwards, Joe Coy joking around and saying, oh, you know, she wasn't that funny, but at least she's pretty. <laughs> and another comedian saying something like, oh, I would have sex with her, and then making like a male order bride joke about Asian women. And I was just like, I feel so shitty now. <laughs> it really was a good lesson, though, and like, do you still want to do this? Because... Mm. Comedy, especially back then, was so sexist. Mm. The scene and the environment was so toxic. Like, it was mostly men um, and mostly, like, sexually frustrated men. <laughs> and so they would constantly, like, try to be, like, huggy and oh. touchy-feely with me backstage. And it was just, like, oh, was so disgusting. But I was like, I don't care. The time I get on stage and the experience that I have making people laugh overrides this. And so I continued to do what I did. And I think a couple of months later, I met Dave Chappelle at the San Francisco Punchline. And he asked me a question. I was in the audience. And I was there with my boyfriend, a new boyfriend. <laughs> and he asked me a question. And I sort of um, answered with a joke that he told earlier in the night. And he remembered that. And so after the show, he asked me and my boyfriend to stay and hang out with him in the green room. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. And he asked me, oh, so what do you really do, you know, for work? And I said, oh, I work for ABC7, but I really want to start doing stand-up. I started, like, going to open mics. And, you know, I really look up to you and your um, comedy specials on HBO. And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yes. And he goes, so then I want you to open for me the next day. Wow. And I was just like... What? <laughs> yeah, this is like a couple of weeks after Joe Coy bombed completely. I was still like nervous and not feeling super confident about my skills as a comedian. And I remember vividly that the security guard was like, you only get one shot. You have to say yes. <laughs> and so I said yes. And the next day, you know, I show up and I remember being like so eager and the comedy club wouldn't let me in. And I was like, but Dave said I could open. <laughs> and they were like, we don't care. We don't know who you are. You're not, you know, an established comic with us. We don't know if you're even doing comedy for real. And so I was like, well, can you just call Dave? They're like, he's not here. And I was like, well, can you call him on his phone and like tell him? you know, that I'm here, and they were like, no, we're not going to do that for you, and so I had to go home, you know, I I think I waited for like 30 minutes to see if he was going to show up, but he's like notoriously late sometimes to his gigs, and just, I was like, forget it, they don't want me on stage anyways, so I'm not going to even, like, stay for like more than half an hour, so I left and I went home, and then... A full year later, 
I go to another one of his shows with a friend, and his assistant sees me in the audience, and his assistant comes up to me, and he's like, hey, weren't you here a year ago, and didn't Dave ask you to open? And I was like, yeah. I was like so shocked that he remembered me. And he's like, well, come meet us after the show. And so I went after the show, and Dave recognized me immediately. He's got like a memory of an elephant. And he goes, Nicole, you never opened for me. And I said, I tried, Dave. I really tried. I showed up. They wouldn't let me in the club. They said it was sold out. They said I couldn't open for you. And so he goes, you know what? I got you. Let me put your name on the list and whoever you want, like as many people as you want. And so I invited my friends, their families, my family, most of the parents, all my best friends, you know, and I'm Filipino. So we have like hell family. And I remember it being Father's Day and my dad was there. And one of my opening lines was like, I don't even care if I bomb tonight. My father's in the audience and it's Father's Day. So this is all for him. And right before I went on, I was so nervous because the whole Joe Coy thing. And they put his hand on my shoulder and he was like, you'll do just fine. And I was like, ooh, this whole boost of confidence like rushed through me. And I did great. And I did really, really good. And he even acknowledged that after I was done. He was like, you know, I'd never seen her comedy before, but she was really good. <laughs> That is incredible. That's incredible that you were aligned with those opportunities and they came back because people obviously were trying to fight with you to not have that opportunity, but it came back because it was an opportunity that was meant for you. And it was also how gracefully you, you know, accepted what had happened the first time. So I do feel like that's why it came back to you and you were still working on that craft. But what an amazing thing that you dedicated that to your father so he could see you, you know, in that role before you had transitioned full time with acting. So and it's amazing because, you know, Dave Chappelle, obviously, he saw something in you because you said he didn't see, you know, any of your comedy or your reels. But he saw something in you. And sometimes that's all it takes. Someone can see something so much in you and realize your potential without knowing your backstory or what you've done. So it's just incredible because now it's helped you to where you are today. You know, that's just part of your story. So it's nice that I'm just glad you were able to get that chance because I was like, oh, no, why didn't let Nicole have the chance? Let her get on the stage, he said. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad it came full circle. So you got to have that opportunity and then you were able to continue it and you got to realize, hey, you are funny, you know, <laughs> you are. <laughs> so. And I'm so glad I didn't go up that first time because mm. I probably was shit. <laughs> so, I was to work on my presence, to work on my delivery, to work on my jokes, my punchlines, you know. So, and you know, as a writer, mm. everything gets better and better the more and more you go up, especially as a stand-up comedy writer. And so I was able to sort of have that confidence and also have the jokes on point mm. more so than when I opened for Joe Cole. <laughs> That's great. That's great. More, more time, more time to prepare and just perfect your craft. And do you feel then with comedy, do you feel comedy's 
harder than any type of acting you've ever done? I mean, it's definitely more challenging. Okay. It's, um, I don't think a lot of people can do comedy. Mm. I think it definitely depends on your delivery and your timing, especially, um, and your personality too. Mm. Right. So, and also it's kind of like that whole saying, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I think for the beginning of my stand-up and comedy career, I was really like, oh, I want my comedy to speak to all people. I want it to speak to men. I don't want to, like, you know, uh, disconnect from making a guy laugh than making a woman laugh. And now, like, that I'm 40, I'm like, I don't care if men laugh. <laughs> it's all for women, and especially women of color. I don't care. Yes. Yes. <laughs> completely that's why I completely support you and and speaking on that because as an Asian American woman myself I I truly truly love seeing Asian women in lead roles in Hollywood since it's not something we get to see very often and so it's so inspiring to see women like you Nicole from our culture to be able to flourish and thrive in the entertainment industry and in business and in comedy and so how do you feel that you have impacted other Asian women around the world to find their calling? Well, that's such a huge question. Well, I do so many things that I feel like I impact Asian women in so many different ways, whether it's through my artistry and writing for TV or comedy to uh, becoming a motivational speaker. And I went to China, Hong Kong, uh, Thailand, South Korea and Vietnam in the past two years, and I spoke to my fans and really allowed myself to be available to my fans and speak to them along the lines of following their own dreams and, you know, being unapologetic and finding their own power and believing in themselves and having the self-confidence to do what they really want to do. So, I mean, I think that's just really being a living testimony to finding your own power, right? Whether whether it's being a writer, an artist, a comedian, or, you know, just traveling the world, you know, and wanting to explore the world and focusing on your own business, right? So I do all these talks all over the world to sort of like, not just for artists and creatives, but all women, all Asian women of all ethnicity. <laughs> thank goodness that you do do that like you realized what your calling was and that you you're a creative you're an artist so you're good at all of these different things and all these different components to a successful person and so it's great to have someone like you that we can be like oh finally there's someone 
like me, like what you're saying, someone that I can relate to, that she understands in my culture, she understands that we as women are, you know, trying to succeed and flourish, but to have that cultural understanding is is so big, you know, especially now and with our society. So it's just amazing what you've done and that you are that role model for so many people that they can be like, you know, if Nicole can do it, I need to believe in myself and I can do it too, you know? And it really, I mean, it, it really, really is. I'm just rereading um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And one of the things he talks in his book, which he wrote in 1937, you know, after he interviewed like Carnegie and Ford and all these like notable billionaires or millionaires in America, was that you really have to have a self confidence to and believe in yourself. That's one of the key components of success. And I feel like being Asian and a woman, we are literally like born into this toxic belief system that we are not enough and that we should just be submissive and just do what our families want or do what society wants and we can't really truly be ourselves or who we want to be or accomplish the dreams we want because we are not enough and we'll never be enough. So I think that's the most important and powerful messaging of my course is that you are actually enough and all that conditioning that we were born into even if our parents mean well you know that sort of conditioning isn't helpful to us now and even if people still continue to believe that conditioning it doesn't necessarily have to be your own you know belief system anymore you can release it and you don't have to believe it anymore and I think that is the most important testimony of my life not only like oh she did it was like I was you know, brought up on welfare. My mom is a single mother, you know, here in America. And yes, there's privilege being born in America, but she was a single mother on welfare. She worked, you know, two jobs, went to night school. And I didn't have like that fairy tale trust fund story of normal, like American artists that went to like Yale drama school you know I didn't go to conservatory for acting or stand-up or writing I went to a community theater called Middlesex Studio here in San Francisco and I learned everything I learned through community theater and so I think it's really like important to show people that you can achieve success no matter what your background is no matter what your circumstance no matter what your ethnic background um, because even like in the book written in 1937, he talks about like, oh, if, if you're born from an impoverished background, it's so different now, you know, because it's like a white cis man writing this book for, you know, other white cis men. So I feel like me with my experience, I come from a very different background and to show other people that they can be a person of color or a woman or a woman of color and succeed, I think is so important in this day and age. Yes, it is. And so it's great too, because it ties into um, your journey in creating your latest television show called Good Vibes. So can you tell us a little bit about the process in creating it and what it's about? Yeah, so Good Vibes was an idea I had about 10 years ago. Um, I 
wanted to do this idea 10 years ago, but I feel like the world wasn't ready for it. It's about four women of color living their lives in the Bay Area, and they're all part of cannabis culture. So uh, one works within the industry, you know, one just partakes <laughs> medicinally, um, and the other one just, like, does it to help with her, ease her anxiety, her social anxiety. Mm. And so it's sort of like sex in the city meets insecure. <laughs> and I just thought, you know, I never see a TV show based in the Bay Area reflecting back to me the kind of friend group I have, you know, mm -hmm. the kind of women I hang out with, and or like cannabis culture the way I see it. And so I thought it was something very unique, something that's never been done. And so I was like, you know, I'm just gonna write it. <laughs> forget, forget if like people aren't ready for it, I'm just gonna do it. So I started writing it about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it was produced two years ago, the pilot. And then we premiered it last year at the New York Asian American Film Festival. Congratulations. That's a big, big honor, too. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. We got to um, premiere at the same, the same uh, film festival as Yellow Rose, which is um, by another Filipina-American director, writer. Yeah, <laughs> she's amazing, Dan. Um, and... Uh, Leah Salonga's in that one. <laughs> and I got to meet Leah Salonga for the first time uh, out of the red carpet, and I was sort of like fangirling all over her. <laughs> Leah, she was sort of like, who the heck is this? <laughs> but I was like, it's because of you, and you're in like this on Broadway, and I saw you, and I would sing all of your songs in Japanese when I was a teenager, and it's because of you, I do what I do, and she was just like, oh, and she almost cried. Oh. <laughs> She's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and it was sort of like full circle for me in that moment, and I was just like, oh, I can die now. <laughs> <laughs> you made it. You made it. But it's good, too, because you are doing that for women, you know, You and there could be a young girl right now that's watching you, a young Asian girl, she's watching you on TV, and then if she gets the opportunity to meet you, she would say the same thing. So it's, or at least she's thinking it. We know, we know there are women out there. So it's just, it's nice that you got that opportunity, too. And... And going back with how your mindset is and personal development, I love how focused you are on the secret and the laws of attraction because I know that's something that's really important to me and really important for this whole podcast that I've designed. And so when I saw that you started your own manifesting magic course, I knew that this was truly a magical gift that you were sharing with the world. And so can you tell us about your motivational course called manifesting magic and what inspired you to create it? So I was on a call, I would say like four years ago with my cousin and sort of helping him. He wanted to write a book at the time. I'm sort of coaching him on steps on how to do that. And I remember he was like, cuz you need to just like teach this to people. And he was my second cousin to tell me I need to start my own course. Mm. And I feel like if someone or you hear something three times, 
then it's a sign for the universe. Like, pay attention. This is something you should be doing. We're trying to protect you from something. You know, I fully believe in providence and signs from God. And so when he told me that, it was like a light bulb finally, like, oh, let me see if people would be interested in a course like this. Uh, Because people know I'm a storyteller. People know a lot of my really close friends know I'm some sort of magical person that manifests all these magical events in my life. And so I just put it out on social media. Would anyone be interested in learning law of attraction for me? And I got a flood of replies and comments like, yes, sign me up, sign me up. So the first course was actually just a bunch of my friends and um, other actors that I worked with um, in the industry. And I sort of made it up as I went along. Like every week I'd be like, okay, what do you guys want to talk about? (laughs) And I noticed like in just the phone calls that people I used to do one-on-ones, just Mm. one-on-ones, now I do Zoom calls. But I noticed within all my phone calls, everyone had sort of the same obstacle Mm. or the same issue, which is like low self-esteem, you know, self-doubt, toxic belief systems that they were just holding on to that weren't helping them anymore. And so I took everything from the calls and I remember distinctly, I just created my curriculum. And I was like, I'm going to create my curriculum based off the moon cycles. <laughs> and new moon will be about, like, starting something new. And full moon will be about releasing. So I think it was, like, this beautiful co-creation of myself and spirit. Just, like, typing out these things and helping people based on what they needed. And based on what a lot of people are struggling with at the time, especially people of color. Mm-hmm. And so um, it sort of just naturally, organically grew from there. And what started off as like a group of seven people now is a course of like 20 people. And I only keep it small. I know other law of attraction courses or like courses like B-School have mm-hmm. unlimited people that pay $2,000, $3,000. And I've sort of like made it in my mind that I'm not trying to make money off of people. And I think that's the problem with capitalizing on people's wellness mm-hmm. is that a lot of gurus or coaches out there will see this as just like money in their pocket. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's not my intention. My intention is sort of to ripple out change and basically allowing people to see their own power. And when I do that for one person or 20 people, it's sort of like this ripple effect that goes out to the whole community and their communities and their families and their partners and their coworkers. And people see the change in them. They see the shift in my clients and they're like, how are you doing that? Right. Or how are you being so calm? Or why are you so happy all the time? You know, and I think that to me is more important in changing the world for a better place than getting $2,000 or $15,000 a month, right? So for me, it's more of like a mission of changing the world (laughs) and sort of giving people these tools to do it upon themselves than be like, you need me to change your life, you need to pay me $2,000 a month. I think that's ridiculous. Um, 
so now my course has sort of evolved because I'm like, well, I want more than 20 people to have access to this mm-hmm. sort of stuff and my stories. So now I'm writing a book. <laughs> and I'm taking this whole month off from teaching and all my other stuff to just focus on writing this book. Are you allowed to talk about your book at all? or? Yeah, I can oh, talk about my book. Okay. <laughs> So can you tell us what your book is going to be about? Is it going to do with also the laws of attraction and a little bit behind your manifesting magic course too? Yeah, it's basically taking every lesson that I teach in my course Mm -hmm. and um, bringing it out to the people. So, you know, one week will be about releasing fears. Another week will be about uh, focusing on intentions versus goals. Um, another week would be about providence and science from the universe. And then with each chapter and lesson, I share with people um, a story within my own life about how I was able to utilize this lesson or tool and manifest something in my life, whether it's like opening for Dave Chappelle or meeting my husband. It's amazing. I feel like my life is pretty epic. <laughs> I have all these epic stories and um, I had like this calling to share that with the world. I'm excited you're doing that. I can't wait to read your book when you when you do finish it. Do you have an idea of what the timeline is looking like, or you, you just kind of have I, to see as you write? I'm planning to write 2,000 words a day. Okay. So wow, great goal! Great goal. Is to be finished in 20 days or by the end wow. of September and then have it edited uh, this fall, October, November, and then December, either figure out if I should self-publish or find mm-hmm. a publisher. I'm putting on the universe that called Cabernet will publish my book. Because <laughs> I just found out he has a publishing company. <laughs> and I emailed him, so I was like, hey. <laughs> putting it out to the universe. Putting it out. Yeah, put it out. It's going to happen. Yes, yes. And then um, I want, I would hope, the book would be out and do like a virtual tour either in January, February, or at the very latest spring. Okay. That's a great timeline. That's a really fast turnaround too, Nicole. That's that's really I fast. Feel like I've had all this material for like mm. the past ten years. Yeah. <laughs> like even the other day I was writing about a certain subject. And when I like searched in my emails I found like this whole story that I'd written out about that topic. And I was like, wow. oh, I already have this. So, <laughs> it's all about finessing at this mm. point. And this is the reason why I feel like this is the time to write this book. Yes. It's because spirit is sort of like, you already have this stuff, right? It's right. not hard work. I think a lot of writers go into writing like, oh, it's mm. going to struggle. And this is going to be so hard, but really just like law of attraction, it's about shifting your mindset and shifting your perception. So for me, it's about, oh, I've already lived my life. I've already had these stories. It's just now digging them up and remembering them. And that goes along the same lines of law of attraction, right? It's like, you don't need to really learn anything, so Mm -hmm. to speak. It's just remembering all that power that you already have in you Mm -hmm. that society was trying to bury you know, like all this BS that we think is important is actually not important. I think COVID-19 has sort of shined a light on all that with us like having to shelter in place and not being able to go clubbing or bars anymore. <laughs> it's sort of like, okay, well, what's really important? 
you know, like mm. what you really want to do in this life and in this world, like what's the impact and legacy yes. you're leaving, right? Is it just yeah. that you want to get shit-faced every weekend <laughs> with your friends or do you want to actually make a positive impact for not just you, but your family mm-hmm. or your friends or your communities? So, Yeah. It's incredible because it's nice that you're realizing that too, that you're doing this book because you'll be able to serve so many more people too, because everybody will have access to it. And of course, you know, whoever does know about your course, they do, but it's just, I feel like the book is going to be so helpful because it can be in so many hands that it's just, and it all, it only takes, you know, one person to impact so that you're sharing that and just, like you said, understanding how the laws of attraction are, that it's not this, you know, having that power within ourselves. I just feel like not a lot of people know about it, you know, unless you've had someone teach you. We didn't learn this in schools growing up. I mean, the reason I found out is for my mother. She was like, you need to read the secret. You need to be, you know, more positive. You need to pay attention to your language. And so it's just, yeah. (laughs) And But that's the amazing thing is just because you're writing this and so many people like we need now, now is that time more than ever. And so they can all realize, okay, I need to pay attention to what I'm saying to myself because if I say bad things to myself, what am I going to attract? I will attract those things. But if I keep talking, watching how my language is and talking about things that I really want in my life, then that's what I'll attract. And I think people forget that when they say things like don't or I can't. No, who's telling you that? Nobody's telling you that except yourself. So we need, you know, someone like you to help remind us, wait a minute, I can, I will, and I am going to type of thing. So I'm excited for your book. And I think that's like essentially my life. Like so many people in my whole life have told me, you can't do comedy. Mm. I remember acting coach telling me, you can't do comedy. You're not skilled enough. And I was like, uh, watch me. And so I started doing stand-up, and I opened for Dave Chappelle. Yes. Who can't do comedy? <laughs> That's right. Like, just once, like, more than 10 times because mm. he asked me to open for him. Wow. So, um, it's like that. And just, like, people, even in our families, you know, mm. like, you can't do that. And, again, it's just the conditioning and probably the fear that they have mm-hmm. that they're just projecting on you yes. subconsciously. And not out of like a hateful way, but just like they're they themselves are scared and have been conditioned have been conditioned by white supremacy, mm. right? And that like we can't do that because we're people of color. Mm. So I think it's really important to remember that as well. That a lot of uh, our negative belief systems have been given to us by colonization, mm. and as people who are colonized, whether it's Filipino or Mexican or even African American, you know, I think it's important, especially now, to remember our true power. Yes, and that it's not given to us by the government or other people; it's already within us. Yes. Remember what Nicole said and just keep re-listening to that part of what she said because that is key right there. Those are the nuggets. And Nicole, so with your Manifesting Magic course, when is the next online course and where can our listeners sign up for it? 
So my next course, like I said, I'm taking the next couple months off to rent my book, but the next course will start on the new moon in November. Hopefully by then we'll have a new president. <laughs> and a female Asian American vice president. <laughs> um, putting it out in the universe. Uh, and <laughs> November 14th, and you can find all that information on through my website, NicoleMashaLee.com, or my Instagram, NicoleMashaLee. Uh, I am going to do a social media detox for all of September to just focus on my writing, uh, but I will be back in October to promote my course. And again, I only take on 20 people just because I feel it's all about community, and we heal through community. Community is medicine. And so... I purposely make my sessions small within 20 people because it's just more um, vibrant and you connect more when it's just 20 people. When it's like 100 or 200 or 1,000 people, there's less community and less connection. So it's really nice that you've designed your courses like that. And where, I know you just gave out your social media account and your website, but is there anywhere else our listeners can connect with you? Or are those the I best know, I'm on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, I have not started a TikTok just yet. <laughs> and I'm actually going to revamp my YouTube channel so we can find me on the Cole Marshall we on YouTube. And I'm going to start doing like guided meditations and more tips and tricks for manifesting a life you love. I love that. Thank you so much, Nicole, for being on the show today. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. If you would like to sign up for Nicole's Manifestation Magic online course in November or a future course, she's going to give you a 50% off discount by listening to this episode. So make sure you email Nicole at M-A-G-I-C-A-L-M-A-X-A-L-I at gmail.com. Again, that is M as in Mary, A-G-I-C-A-L. M as in Mary, A-X-A-L-I at gmail.com and let her know you heard about the 50% off her course because you listened to her episode in the Design Your Happiness podcast with Marilee Blair and she will honor the 50% off. Thank you so much for joining me on the Design Your Happiness podcast. I appreciate you for listening and I hope you feel inspired. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your loved ones. I hope you have a beautiful day and get excited to design your happiness.